Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is Politics Done Right. Welcome to Politics Done Right from the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program for you today. Welcome to Politics Done Right. We are coming live from, where again? Pittsburgh, PA, Netroots Nation 2022. And who do we have here? The one and only. Where? Here, Liz <laughs> Winston. Liz Winston, the Daily Show, and I wrote it down because you he know, writes the Daily Show on the back of a drink ticket. This is, I think, this no, is where you get free it's drinks. It's KPFT ninety point one FM. Right. But you know, uh, you know, hey, look, hey, look. The last time we spoke, Ugh. you were so concerned about that abortion was going to be overturned, but that we were going to somehow be able to get over it. And even though you were fighting for it, I don't think any of us really, really believe that it would have just been overturned. But you've been fighting. I've been I've been saying it and nobody believed me. I'd, I'd, I'd rephrase it that way. Yeah. OK. Right? No, well, actually, you know something? You're right. You're right. Uh, I think it's we who were hearing that. Yeah, they may try to cut out the corners, but you were saying no, they could hold go for the whole shebang. Yeah. Well, I think I think, you know. Part of our self-preservation right. is to not believe that cruelty could run that deep. And I think that everybody has needed to see right. that the Republican Party has literally become like zombies yes. who feed off of our rights. And then when it's the next feeding, they need to take more rights right. like they will never be satiated until i don't know when and that's the part that scares but me. you know what what you know i mean i, I know I, I spoke to a, a few women in, in the movement they were crushed yeah they were crushed because it was like you know you, you see this stuff happening in slow motion mm -hmm. and then it just pops yes yes i think so and i think that even those of us in the movement mm -hmm. who were preparing for the fall of Roe and right. what that would look like. Right. I, the one thing I will say is I don't think anybody thought and for sure they're going to just take birth control. Right. And for sure they're going to put a bounty on people's heads. Right. And deputize citizens. Right. To arrest people trying to access right. care. Like the levels that this has gone in order to create laws that can be skirted around by our Supreme Court. Literally, right. they duped the Supreme Court yeah. by saying, the Supreme Court saying, well, I don't know how we, we have to uphold a law that gives citizens the right, right. to, because we don't know. They were like, damn you kids, you know, on Scooby-Doo. It was like crazy. 
So the good news is mm -hmm. it's been a wake-up call. And my organization, Abortion Access Front. Um, Before I forget, give them the address of the, the, the oh, URL. AAfront.org and then Abortion Front all over on social. Um, we have been planning for the overturn of Roe for about nine months. Right. We also knew that oftentimes when these big things happen, mm -hmm. we march without a plan. Right? right. And then people are like, what can I do right. beyond marching? Right. So we created Operation Save Abortion. It's uh -huh. operationsaveabortion.com. It's a five-part series where we got the experts in all these different forms of activism within the movement. Right. You can watch an episode, and right. we have a activity guide that goes with it. So mm -hmm. what we're saying is if you want to learn about helping patients, mm -hmm. helping clinics, direct action, legislative work, um, or, you know, whatever, um, watch one of these episodes with a bunch of friends, do the activity guide, watch all five episodes, and then you can have an overview of how you can participate and then we'll hook you up with the organizations who are doing the work either nationally or right in your community so that people can no longer say, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know what to what do. To do. Yeah. And also they can be honest. They've watched this. Then they say to us, I have an hour a month that I can give. And we say we can put you to work. Right. So we want to be able to meet people where they are access whatever capacity they have and mm -hmm. make them feel like however they can participate is meaningful because that's key. Right. Now, Liz, you've been working at this for a long time. Um, see, your, your organization has to have grown since the, since the, the, because you guys have a lot more to do now. Yeah. Well, that's always the problem, right? Yeah. We have 10 people. Yeah. We haven't gotten any more funding. Shockingly. Um, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean you haven't gotten any more funding? I mean, all this stuff's happened and we're still working. We're at capacity. We have, we've gotten more volunteers, which right. is great, but you know, it's we, shocking that you don't have people rushing to throw money at you. You would think, I think they don't know we exist. So now you do, you know, aafront.org, but you know, in creating, we, we did a lot of blood, sweat and tears. I, I remember to I get remember this going, right? Remember when guys, we launched? Absolutely. Yeah. I remember well. Yep. You know, so, um, so we have 10 full-time people. We have five part-time folks and then uh -huh. a whole bunch of, of um, volunteers. But, you know, it would be nice to have a team of 20 if we're going to, you know, to really help create this thing. And well, so, let, let, let's talk to first a progressive space. If you believe what you're saying, if you believe that women are worthy as we know they are, <laughs> I hope I didn't put that politically incorrectly. I think that we're worthy. I don't think there's any way to say women are worthy politically incorrect thank you just just want to make yeah. sure all right so i i think it is time for us to start funding the things we believe in and and stop just funding consultants not on the ground a hundred that is a super good way to do it because a lot of times people will fund thinkers who are like right flying overhead these folks are We're on, on the, ground. the ground we're on the ground you know it's time for us to stop the 16,000, I, I, I could tell you stories, the 16 and 15 and $20,000 consultants and start remembering to throw that money into the people on the ground actually getting things done. Uh, what haven't I asked you that I should have asked you? I mean, I think that folks need to do a little bit of a rethink on how they've been participating right. in the reproductive health rights justice movement. You know, so many times I hear progressives say, 
I hope you women, like, it's such, it's such a bummer what's happening with you women, right? right. And understanding, A, it's, it's larger than just women, right? It's all genders. But also, we all need to, as humans, fundamentally understand that abortion is about bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. And they're coming after our bodies, whether you're LGBTQ, whether you're black and brown, right. whether you need an abortion. We are all intersected, right? right? And so the bad guys coming after abortion are the same bad guys who are coming after our kids in their schools, our LGBTQ community, CRT, all of that garbage that they're throwing out there, it's the same people. And when we all talk in our movements, I can say, hey, you know, John Doe, who's like out there advocating for this, he's also in front of our clinics. And did you also know that John Doe has these three things planned. And it's like, I did not. So the more we talk, the more we understand that the like Venn diagram of these issues is a circle. Yeah. Um, we can be stronger together. Liz Winstead, co-creator of the Daily Show. Darling. Oh my God, can I give you a hug? Absolutely. Yay. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. And power to the movement. Power to the movement. Power to all of us. you succeed, girl. We're going to do it. Um, I got a lot of energy, so try to take me down. Welcome to Politics Done Right. We're coming to you live from Netroots Nation 2022 again. And who do we who did we find? Stephanie Taylor, how you doing, Hello. young lady? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I am great. You know, before we even get started, why don't you tell my audience something about yourself? Because I know they're gonna love you. Well, I'm the co-founder of the Progressive Change Campaign Committee, uh, boldprogressives.org. We have a million members nationally. We're a grassroots group and we uh, help train and elect progressive candidates, school board to president, you know, all across the board. We, we, or we endorse about a thousand candidates each cycle and we give them the support they need in terms of fundraising and volunteers and uh, strategic support and whatever else they need. Well, you know, especially in these times, right, we are at a crossroads. So the kind of work that you do is extremely important. Tell me, what are you starting to find as you start to approach and train these folks? We are right now very worried about how to save democracy in America. And so what we need right now are folks stepping up and running who are able to run authentically. Who are able to run on a message where you get what working people are going through in America today. You get when people are sitting at their kitchen table late at night and they're staring at a stack of bills and they're thinking, do I, do I pay my heating bill? Do I pay my credit card bill? What do I do about my medical bill? I mean, this is all, this is what people are worried about in America today. And they get that the system is rigged. They get that we are dealing with corporate control of our democracy and people want the candidates that will come in there and do something about it. You know, Stephanie, the reality is most people for the the kind of candidates that you support, if you do a poll as far as what people want, it turns out that everything that you represent, everything that the kind of folk that you're trying to get to run represent is what America wants. What is the problem and what is it that your organization going to do to actually solve that problem that people will see the the reasoning of why to elect the people you're training as opposed to those who are faking it? I am so glad you asked that because we make this argument all the time. Right. The 
vast majority of Americans agree on the issues. Right. Our polling has shown, we have done polling of Republicans, independents, and Democrats, and the vast majority agree with the quote-unquote progressive positions. Right. We agree that abortion should be legal. We agree we should get rid of the filibuster. We agree we should ban assault weapons. We agree we should raise the minimum wage. We agree we need millions and millions of new union workers building green energy in this country. We agree on all of this. Right. And so what what I find, so I live in central Pennsylvania. Right. I live in sort of the heart of oh, so Trump this country. part of your this world. This is part of my world. And I talk to Republicans all the time mm -hmm. in my life. And I find that we agree. And what what is motivating them and what keeps them from being drawn to the Democratic side is the fact that they also recognize the institutions are broken. Right. They get the system is rigged. They get that life isn't fair for working people in right. America today. Our Supreme Court is hijacked. Our Congress is hijacked. You know, Washington is swarming in lobbyists and they want to see they want someone who's going to actually shake things up right. and disrupt the system. And that was the appeal of Trump, right? right. To someone who's going to come in, blow up the system, disrupt the system. And and they're looking for someone else who's going to do that. You know, you see John Fetterman, you know, yes. he's doing so he's well. He's doing great. He's doing great. He looks like a guy who's going to like blow things up. Exactly. Right? And you know, that, that is the point. You hit the, na you hit the nail on the head. You know, yeah. he looks like he's going to make that change. And we yeah. have somebody like uh, uh, Barnes in, 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 in Wisconsin. He looks like he wants to change something, right? Yep. Uh, yep. So, I mean, I imagine that you're looking for candidates like Fetterman who really looks like lo look like the people that he's attempting to serve and, and train them on how best to do that. I mean, they don't have to look like Fetterman. Not many will. I, I don't mean look. I don't mean look like Fetterman. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. I do. I do. I think it's it's about it's about conveying. Like, right. I'm I'm going to do things differently. Right. I'm not from I'm not from the establishment. Right. I get that that you need someone who's going to come in there from the outside. It's right. about being an outsider. It's about coming in and right. I'm I am not going to do things business as usual. Right. No, I right. tell you something that I try to tell folks as well. Yes, yeah, about being the outsider, but an effective outsider because yeah. you know Trump was an outsider. Or two, but he didn't know what the hell he was doing. Yep. But Fetterman yep. actually played the part before as a lieutenant, uh, yep. lieutenant governor, etc. Yep. Be before we go, let me ask you a couple more questions because yeah, what, yeah. what I think is um, everybody had given up on the house, mm -hmm. and I hope you're working on getting some good candidates that are that are still. I think we have a few more primaries left, right? So I think we have a couple primaries yeah. left. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. I don't think I don't think we're gonna lose a house. I think okay. we. I think I from oh, your lips to God's ears. Uh, I yeah, hope, I, I hope. think we are in the position if we all do the job right, that we won't lose the house. I don't know if you share that 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 positive vibe that I that I'm trying to get out there. What's your thoughts? I think the momentum is good. The right. momentum is better than it was. Right. I think that people are really angry mm -hmm. about the Dobbs decision. And right. It was a real wake up call for a lot of folks. Right. That we need to do we need to get out there and fight right. back that we are in real trouble and and the point i keep making is if if this unelected tribunal of judges thinks that they can just overrule america's will on the dobbs decision what what's our plan for 2024 when they overturn the election what's our plans for 2022 what's you know? our plan for 2022 yeah, because my, my, and that's yeah. the reason i'm i i am asking everybody out there you know, let, let's play 2022 like we're playing 2022 to win, mm -hmm. not 2022 to lose. Yeah. You know, and I, yeah. I'm hoping to do that. But anyway, yeah. uh, last question yeah. uh, is, and this is a very tough question coming. Okay. 
You okay. ready for it? I'm ready. I'm ready. Hit me. Hit you? I got it. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? Oh, gosh. I told you it was tough. That is a tough question. I that's, know. That's a every surprisingly time, every, tough every question. Every time I ask somebody, <laughs> that's what they do, but that's the point. <laughs> I think... I think it would just be, what should Democrats be doing differently? What should Democrats be doing and differently? Because I, I, I have some thoughts on what Democrats Let should be doing Let me hear what should be doing differently. So Democrats so often reflexively defend institutions. Right. Right. Oh, we can't get rid of the filibuster. Right. Because that's an institution. That's a norm. Right. Oh, we can't expand the Supreme Court because that's an institution. We have to defend the institutions. Right. No. That's not where the electorate is. Right. Institutions are broken, and we have to acknowledge that, and we have to tell voters what we will do to fix those broken institutions. And how do we communicate that to every demographic of voter out there to make sure that we're not just talking to the already spoken to? You need one clear message. Look, I love, I love that. One clear message. That's how they, the, yeah. the simplicity of messaging, right? Yep, yep. Stephanie Taylor, it's been my pleasure to have you. Bold Progressives, it is? Boldprogressives.org. Thank you so kindly for having been with Politics Done Right. (laughs) Please forgive the audio. I was stuck in an airport in Detroit, and this particular blog couldn't wait. Listen to this. The story that's been going around, it made it viral. It's, It's been going viral. It's a story in the New York Times. It turned out that there was this uh, particular uh, black professor and his wife who got their home appraised. Uh, they wanted to get, I, I guess it's a, maybe a, a loan on the home, maybe one of those, uh, those uh, equity loans on the home. And they needed to get the home appraised. So they got the home appraised and it came back at $472,000, just about $22,000 more so than they paid for the house original, even in this exploding market in prices for the home. So the professor went to one of his uh, white professor buddies and said, hey, I want to see what happens when they believe it is your family, your children. So we make the home look like your home. And when the appraisal came back, and, and let me tell you, there's nothing new about these types of things occurring. It has occurred over and over and over again through, and, and every single person of color, and to some extent women, would tell you that uh, these are the things that happen to them on a consistent basis. But I must say, this one was this one was grand theft to the to the nth degree. So the home got reappraised after they changed supposedly who lived in the home for seven. It went instead of four hundred and seventy two thousand dollars. It appraised at $750,000, an almost $300,000 differential. Now, again, if you read, read, read the article, the article states as follows. It said, last summer, Nathan Connolly and his wife, Shani Mott, welcomed an appraiser in their house in Baltimore, hoping to take advantage of historically low interest rates and refinancing their mortgage. They believe their home uh, uh, rather, they believe that their house it was improved with a $5,000 tankless water heater, a $35,000 another re- renovation was worth much more than the $450,000 that they paid for in 2017. Home prices have been on the rise nationwide in the pandemic. And again, everybody knows the skyrocketing in prices of home. Hell, my home, if it's you know, if they know it's not me in there, the price is astronomical based on 
today's value. Of course, it's going to fall when the market crash, which it ultimately will. But at this point in time, his home is worth $750,000. I mean, $300,000 differential. Everybody, nobody wants to talk about systemic racism. or Too many want to avoid the subject, not understanding that this systemic occurrence actually is more detrimental than one believe because it, it not only continues to create the wealth and income disparity, but it is grand theft. It is actually taking the wealth of others and putting it into the Let me give an example with this, this right here. This person appraised the home at $450,000. The likely buyer of the home, let's say if it weren't for a loan, would have gotten that home, let's say, for $450,000. And when they flipped that home, they would have made approximately $300,000 more on that home. That money would have gone to the person, not the, not the owner who built the equity and appreciation in that home, but it would have gone to the buyer, likely somebody, not a POC. And again, that is what we call, first of all, yes, systemic racism, but it's actually theft. It is theft because, again, the person benefited, the, the appreciation of the home was taken away from the rightful owner of that home. People talk about uh, POCs and others always complaining about these issues, always complaining about systemic racism. Oh, it's not real. I don't see racism. You know, what I tell people a whole lot about living in the South, and I discuss a whole lot of this at Netroot Nations and uh, Netroot Nation 2022 here in Pittsburgh, uh, PA. It doesn't really have to do with somebody calling you the N-word or somebody calling you the S-word or somebody calling you any of the epithets. That's not where, that's not where the type of racism that we're talking about, the type of systemic racism that we're talking about is important. I don't give a damn about that. If you take a look at my program, people call and call me ends or whatever, and I'll tell them, hey, have you been having a bad day or what? I don't care about that. But where it matters is when it, it, it materially affects your life, your well-being, your future, your future growth, etc. And that is what these types of systemic issues within our system do. That is what occurs. They stole, they, they were about from the professor, it was both his wife and himself are professors, from these two, they were about to steal $300,000 from them. And it was done in an antiseptic way that doesn't look like the common thief at a 7-Eleven. But that person who appreciated, who, uh, who gave his home an appraisal that was so much below that of the market was worse than the common thief that goes into 7-Eleven and steals a, a, a candy bar. And those are the things we have to understand about what occurs in this country. Many people don't want to look at it. Many people want to put their heads in the sand. Many people want to say, this is not really occurring. You guys are always complaining. But that's not the case. It is an abuse. It is what capitalism does. It is what uh, unfettered capitalism, which uses race and other factors as inputs into the bad deeds that it does that create these issues. And until we realize all of this, we will never, ever solve the problems at hand. Again, from $472,000 
thousand dollars, a almost three hundred thousand dollar theft. That's a hell of a lot of cigarettes to steal in the 7-Eleven. And that guy that steals a cigarette in the 7-Eleven, he's going to go to jail for years. But that person who just stole or attempted to steal, this should be that guy should be charged with attempted robbery. He should be charged with attempted robbery. And it should be that of a felony since it's over that felony amount. Three hundred thousand dollars. Folks, if you don't see that and if you don't see how that sort of a stuff permeates itself through the entire system, you go and buy a car, your loan amount, your, the interest on your loans are higher. You go to get a car, the initial value of that car is greater than they would the other person. We go through these issues over and over and over again. And then they tell us, oh, it's in your mind. It's not in our mind and it has cost billions, if not, not billions, it has cost trillions in what folks should have had. From the beginning of this country, we have been cannibalizing on people. But you know what's making the change or what will eventually make the change? Now that we are cannibalizing, not on just a particular sect of Americans with a particular hue, but on all Americans as this economic system, as this fraudulent economic system eats at whatever it can. Folks, we better do better. I could not quite believe it when I saw Dana Bass had a slide ready to go. Biden's successes. The mainstream media is finally saying something nice about what Democrats and progressives have accomplished with headwinds coming from a recalcitrant and obnoxious party, that uh, Republican Party, that refused to provide any sort of assistance, except maybe in places where some of their benefactors would get a few duckies here or there. I want to just even look more broadly beyond this bill and look at some of President Biden's successes on his agenda. It's a long list, and I don't even have time to read it. It's that long. But not only what we're talking about now, $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, bipartisan gun safety bill, veterans, so on and so forth. I'm going to start with you, Congressman, because I know this is something that that you want to talk about, which is understandable. And then we'll do the yeah, but after. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's been a great week for President Biden. He also took out the leader of Al Qaeda. He's on the verge of passing historic legislation to lower your health care costs, invested in fighting climate change, also address the, the deficit, re- reducing the deficit. So it's been a fantastic week. And also, we've gotten a lot done in these two years with extremely narrow majorities. And you know that, how difficult that is to work with. Absolutely so. Now, look, granted, many of the uh, of the bills that were passed weren't as progressives as progressives like myself and many others want. But you know what? You don't have a progressive enough caucus. If you guys want a bills that really work for middle class and poor America, you have got to go to the polls in 2022, meaning in November, and you have got to vote in progressives. It's that simple. You want the filibuster gone? Vote in progressives. You want family leave? Vote in progressives. You want some student loan forgiveness? 
vote in progressives. You want basic income? Vote in progressives. You want good health care? You want Medicare for all or some form of Medicare for all, health care for all? Vote in progressives. At last, what took so long? At last, the mainstream media is looking at the data and it finally had to come to the conclusion that, oh, yes, it's true. The United States Senate is likely to be maintained and expanded by Democrats. And the House, who knows? It may actually stay under the control of the Democrats. But you know what? We've been seeing the tea leaves for quite some time. Check this out after that win for, for Ryan in New York. Check this out. Really, this could be the story of the summer politically, just in terms of setting the stage for the midterm election and for expectations. I'm talking about the special election in New York's 19th district. As you mentioned, Pat Ryan, the Democrat, has defeated Mark Molinero, the Republican. What makes this such a significant result? Well, several things. First of all, this really is the last major special election test before November's election. And it comes after a two a two month period when we have been questioning, folks have been questioning whether the political environment in this country might be changing away from the Republicans' favor and in the Democrats' direction. There have been a number of things that have been happening in the last few months. One, the generic ballot. When you ask folks in polling, which party would you like to see control Congress, Democrats or Republicans? Earlier this year, Republicans had been winning on this that question. Now, it's essentially a tie when you average the polls together. So the generic ballot has moved in the Democrats' favor. There was the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. The question of whether that would motivate, get Democratic voters, Democratic-aligned voters off the sidelines motivated to vote, as Republicans already seem to be motivated to vote in this midterm election. There is some polling evidence, some indications in polling that that might be the case. Then, earlier this summer, we had two other special elections. One was in Minnesota, one was in Nebraska. Both were in Republican districts. Both were in districts that went for Donald Trump. Both were won by Republicans, but the Democrats did better in each of those special elections than Joe Biden had done in those districts in 2020. So Democrats looked at that and said, hey, maybe that is a sign that there is some increased enthusiasm for Democrats uh, in the way uh, the overturning of Roe in a midterm environment was really strong for Republicans. This is the exact kind of district they'd have no problem flipping in a special election. If a Republican wave were already had already been built, a two point Biden district, that's the kind of thing. That's one of the first thing that goes in a political wave. And instead, what's happened tonight in this bellwether district is the Democrats have won it. And actually, Pat Ryan outperforms. Looks like he's going to perform even a little bit better in this district than Joe Biden did. And if you couple that with, and I think you mentioned this one too, reading through the results here, this 23rd district special election that was also held tonight, the circumstances here were a little bit different. Uh, the winner here, Sempolinsky, is not going to be running this fall. The district's kind of being re restructured. There wasn't as much that was put into this race in terms of resources and efforts. But even here, the Republicans win. The margin here is about seven points right now. This was a district that Donald Trump carried by 12 points. 
So even here in, in a race that a lot of money, a lot of attention, a lot of resources didn't go to, you see Democrats performing better than Joe Biden did. Again, this is simply not the pattern. I'm showing the Nebraska, Minnesota, the, 20, the 23rd district, the 19th district of New York, four straight special elections where Democrats have clearly outperformed Joe Biden uh, in his numbers from 2020. So we've been talking all year. Biden's popularity isn't good. The country's mood isn't good, especially when it comes to the economy. Typically, the out of power party does really well in midterm elections. I think we now have a strongest single piece of evidence in this in this 19th district special election tonight, Alicia, uh, that in spite of all of that, I think it's worth asking questions about. Can the Democrats hold on to the Senate and even for the Democrats potentially hold on to the House this November? Finally. The mainstream media has come around. We have to ask the question. After the dominoes fell, one after the other, we had Kansas. We had those special elections in Minnesota. We also have this election in New York. But, you know, most importantly, all we had to look at was Kansas. Look at what Kansas did. Look at what people said when they got out of voting in Kansas. Folks, this stuff is going to be a competitive race. It is for the Democrats. It, it is on the Democrats if they don't win it all. Because I tell you what, all the necessary structures, all the necessary inputs are there for Democrats and progressives to win it all in 2022. Do not despair because the good news is going to be there this year in November. Welcome to the first edition of the day of Politics Done Right from Netroots Nation 2022 in Pittsburgh. PA. Look who I found, guys. The one and only Rick Smith. What's going on, Rick? How you I, doing? I'm living the dream, my friend. You're living the dream. Hey, let me tell you something. Everybody knows about the Rick Smith show, but guess what? They don't know who the hell Rick Smith is. <laughs> So let's start there, because you call yourself the working man's hero or the working class hero. Who the hell is Rick Smith? I'm just a working class guy who, you know, at one point got tired of hearing right wing blather and decided it was time to take on uh, the right wing juggernaut. And we began attempting to balance the airwaves 17 years ago this Labor Day. Uh, we kicked off, and we've been doing it ever since. Now, uh, tell me a little bit. Where did you grow up? Are you a PA kind of guy? No, no. I grew up in a housing project on the west side of Cleveland, uh-huh. uh, basically where they put the socioeconomic ladder on top of. Yeah. That's where I grew up. <laughs> uh, I grew up one of the uh, one of the only white kids in an all-black neighborhood. We used to play this neat game. Uh-huh. It was called Chase the White Kid and Beat the Crap Out of Him. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of it? Never heard of it. <laughs> uh, it was a f- I'm sure for somebody it was a fun game. Yeah. Not so much for me. Yeah. Uh, but you know, So it, you went through your tribulations on the other side. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was the, uh, the minority in a minority community. Uh-huh. And uh, what I learned very young is the only color that really mattered mm-hmm. uh, was green. Because right. black, white didn't matter. We were broke. Yeah. And poor is poor. And, you know, as I watched our community struggle, as I watched family struggle, occasionally you would see a family do well. They got a union job at the Ford plant. They got a union job at one of the feeder plants. And immediately their lives got better. Food at the end of the month. The kids got better clothing, secondhand bikes. They bought a secondhand car. Eventually they moved out of the projects and their lives got better. So as a kid, the union job, better life. You know something, Rick, let me tell you, I'll be very, very frank with you. You know, 
usually when I start my interviews or do anything, I don't get it. I usually don't start on a race kick or anything like that, but I'm glad you started there because there's something that we share in common that I think we need to get across to America, especially in these times. And that is because of who you are, where you grew up, you really understood or you really understand what it is like to feel something. And uh, we, we have to get to this point where we don't allow those guys with the green to build that ladder on top of you yep. that you were talking about. No, I mean, the one thing that the wealth class has always been masterful at is dividing us. Right. Either white or black, male, female, gay, straight. You know, it, it, they find those fault lines and then they pit us against each other. Right. And the one thing that labor history has taught me, and I spend a lot of time studying labor history, is the easier it is to pit us against each other, right. the worse we both are, right. the lower our wages, the right. worse our working conditions are, and the, the wealthier that the wealth exactly, class gets. Exactly. And the sooner that we are able to heal those divides, come to some common ground. We don't always have to agree. We don't always have to accept one another. We don't always, but we have to be tolerant of each other. Yeah. We, have, we have to figure out how to work together. You know what? I, 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 I want to interrupt you here for one reason. Race is stupid. It's one of the most stupid things, and I talk about that on my show all of the times, right? So when, when they decide to make these kinds of divisions to take control, uh, we as folks who understand that, especially you now as a white guy, and I'm going to tell you, uh, right now, the Rick Smith show, I think, as a white guy has a special duty to remind the white guys that nobody's going after them. Your thoughts on that? No, nobody's going after them other than the people with the money at the top. We're, we're, folk, we're forced to look at things through the right-left frame, right. through the race frame. The reality is it's always up-down. It's right. always been up-down. Right. The war has always been money versus work. Right. And the capitalist class, the wealth class, however you want to frame them, yes. they've always figured out how to extract from us. Mm -hmm. And you look at this pandemic, a perfect example. Right. Families are struggling to get by. You're, you're seeing, you know, potentially here in the future because the, the rent moratoriums are off, people losing their homes. Right. You remember 2008, 2009, the millions of people who lost their homes. You didn't see bankers go into the streets. No. They got wealthier. And during this pandemic, they saw their wealth go up by a couple trillion dollars yes. while families are still struggling. And if that doesn't wake people up, I don't know what, what well, will. You know, actually, you know, I, I've, I've done I've, I've read a couple of guys that that point out that the reason all this other stuff work is we've been we've been trained to look at everybody differently. You know, the same class separation and race separation and gender separation that you talk about. And what we have to do is lead by showing right and that's why you know you and i talking on a program like this actually makes a difference because people get a chance to see us interact and talk about these issues without having to try to use cold words or fear in the words that we're using in other words you came up look how you started the interview yeah i was a white guy i got beat up in the front i did you every day I mean? <laughs> you, you see what i'm saying and you can just come out and say things like that and people have to start getting that comfort to talk about this these, these ridiculous differences that really don't exist. Tolerance, you mentioned the word tolerance. I push back on the word tolerance. I don't want you tolerating me. We, we here, that's it. We're here, you're here. All of us are here, you know what I mean? And uh, if, if, if that guy on top didn't tell us, hey, you know, you know your white guy, dude? We wouldn't, you know, 
Yeah, but I, I still think we we figure out how to divide ourselves, even yeah. without their help. We right. still figure that do out. Do you really think that? Yeah, I think we do I, on a certain oh, oh, level. Because oh, you, you go back to high school, you, yeah. all, you always had your little cliques. Right. You're always going to no, have that to a degree. That, what I'm talking about, that those does cliques does cliques always divide between fat girl, skinny girl, yeah. and all that kind We're of stuff? We're always going to divide ourselves. Yeah. For me, it, it comes down to... We have a common interest. We have common goals. We have to work together. Right. And we have to not focus so much on what divides us. Right. You know, I look at the, the transgender issue, for instance. Right. You know, as a labor guy, we dealt with this in the workplace 30 years ago. Right. We had a guy who you know, worked with us 20 years. He went away. He came back. He, he was less when he went away. He came back. He's Leslie. Right. And nobody gave a damn. Nobody cared. I think you just proved my point. People, he got, she came back, did her the same job, got the same pay, got the same benefits. Nobody cared. But you just proved my point, Rick. That's I mean, that's exactly what I'm so, saying. So what I'm getting to is now it's oh my God, this is this is exactly. the end of society because we're being force fed this stuff. Externalities, exactly. Yes. So we're being pushed into this now. Now look, back then, people still weren't in favor of, but it wasn't the end of the world. Right. And you know what? I want people to lead their best lives. Yeah. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness is the mantra of this country. Right, exactly. So I may not absolutely agree with everything you do. You may not agree with what I do, but it's you know what? Necessary. You have the right to do whatever makes you happy. Absolutely. That's the great thing wife? about, I don't know. I don't. Okay, there, oh, yes, ab cool. absolutely. I agree 100% <laughs> hey, with everything she says. You know why? Because always. She, he thinks you got to see it. What's her name? <laughs> Carol. Carol? He doesn't really agree with you all the time, but he knows how to act out. You know? You know? I've been married over 20 years, so yeah. I, I know I my beat, I know my, I know my role. You know your role. Well, we always lose, right? <laughs> the, the best advice I ever got yeah. uh, from before I got married, uh, an old timer said, every yeah. morning, wake up, say, yes, dear, you're right, and I'm sorry. You know, I learned that early. <laughs> I, I, I learned that real early. But anyway, Rick, so tell me a little bit where we're going with your show. Well, you know, currently we're, we're on 40 stations across the country uh, and, you know, growing by leaps and bounds. And I'm thrilled by that because uh -huh. right now there's a thirst for for conversation and information based on, on working class values. Right. You know, we've been forced fed, you know, right wing ideology and talk radio for so long right. that you've you're finally starting to see people going, I, I want something, something else. Right. And talking about, you know, working class values, which we've been been made to be ashamed of. Right. And I think in this moment coming out of the pandemic, especially as working people were called heroes and frontline, frontline heroes and essential and, and put up on a pedestal. Right. And now they're going, no, I don't want to go back to being relegated to being, being treated like garbage. Right. I want to be that frontline hero. I want to be respected. I demand respect in, in wages and hours, conditions, and in a voice on the job. And this is the, the exciting moment that we're in. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think it's great. Tell me, or tell me something that I should have asked you that I didn't. Oh, <laughs> that, I, that's my last question. You should have told you. How you find? How question. do you find the show? The RickSmithShow.com. Uh, you can find us there. Follow us on Twitter at Rick Smith Show. All the social media, Facebook, you know, YouTube, all that stuff. The Rick Smith Show. Easy to get to. Hey, folks! Follow the show. Support the show. Download the show. It's in. It's in making sure that we can get that info out. That we can open people's eyes, and the working class hero can get his job done. So thank you so kindly, guys. Hey. Right, look, Rick. Go ahead. Say and it. also, make sure you support KPFT and other uh, other community radio stations. Absolutely. By all means, need the support. Absolutely. Thank Good you, stuff. Appreciate, Appreciate it, man. You. Thank Great. you so much. Welcome to Politics Done Right. Uh, we are here live at Netroots Nation 2022. And I have with us two heroes. You guys know what we feel about the union movement, the union progressive movement. 
These, this is the instantiation of them right now. We are here and happy to be with Layla Dalton. Welcome to Politics and Right. And Bill Whitmer. Welcome to Politics and Right. How are you guys doing today? We're doing amazing. Um, it's it's wonderful being here and being with a bunch of people who are so inspired by the same thing and want to help us. Yeah, definitely. It's great. It's great being here. We love to be here. We've met, we've met some great people so far. It's our This is our first conference, first Netroots Nation conference. It's fantastic. And like Layla said, it's great having all the support. Well, let me tell you why you're the heroes. I personally believe every single worker should be a part of a union. There are some that would want you to believe that you don't need a union. We, Daddy Corporation will do just fine by you. But by the same token, all these corporations have their own unions. They're called trade unions within themselves where they go and they lobby together, but they don't want that right for you. Leila, tell me your story, your story about Starbucks, where you're at in Phoenix, Arizona. Tell me your story. Well, I'll say all started at late January when I recently got out of the hospital about a month before and my new manager... She wanted me to put work before my health, before my education. And I didn't know what to do because I love my job. I love my coworkers. And Bill, my co-leader here, he just became a supervisor, got no training. So we were both in really bad situations. We saw that our store was going downhill. And I kept speaking up to management and they kept blowing me off. Just wouldn't talk to me. So... Bill, it came up, it came to the night that Bill came up to me and said, we can make a change because I thought I was going to have to quit. I, I wanted another day off since I just got out of the hospital. And a part of the reason I go to Starbucks is to get free ASU. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they wanted me to either demote myself or transfer to a new store just because I can't be a full-time student and worker, I realized that even though I'm putting in my all, they don't care. They care more about profit over morals. They care more about how they, they care more about making money than our livelihood. And we can't put work first all the time. So that's when Bill and I got started. And Bill really is a big reason why I got very empowered by unions, because I never knew what a union was until Bill. <laughs> well, you know, Bill, tell us a little bit about uh, what your part in, in the unionization uh, there in uh, Arizona. Yeah, so basically what happened was I saw what was happening in our store. And, it was and you really, were a manager? Uh, I, well, a supervisor? Actually, I, well, I was a barista, and then I got promoted to supervisor. Right. Yeah, and I, and I saw what was happening in our store. So one of, some of the things going on were long-time supervisors that had trained me and like mentored me had been with the company like four years and they wanted to move up. They wanted to be assistant store managers. They wanted to be, to be managers, but they weren't getting promoted. But the company was bringing in outside hires like people that work for Walgreens to be store managers at Starbucks, which to me made no sense. Why are right. they passing these people over that are such a After great you've workers? Invested at your, yeah, yeah all, all of my, I'm watching this happen to all my, all my friends and they're leaving the company to go work elsewhere, right? And I thought, well, this is not right. This is not equal. This is not equitable. What's going on here? And then I saw what was happening to Layla. Layla's was following all the right, you know, steps to make our store better. You know, she was going to, to the manager and having meetings. She was going to the district manager, having meetings, and they were making all these promises, but nothing was ever changing. And then, uh, and then she, Layla was really frustrated. All, 
basically half of our staff was ready to quit the store. And I'm like, I can't have this. You know, I can't have all my friends quitting. I can't see this happening to Layla. And I knew what was going on, going on in Buffalo with the union movement. Right. And I'm a, I'm, I've been a community activist for years, but mm-hmm. I never organized a union. Right. So I reached out to the Buffalo people and I says, hey, this is what's going on in our store. We need some help. And, and they gave me some pointers for how I could start talking to my coworkers kind of behind the scenes about, hey, have y'all heard what's going on in Buffalo? Have you heard about unions? And one thing led to another. And then Layla and I had that conversation. And, and then things just really took off. You know, and that's, that's how it started. <laughs> well, let me tell you how important that is. Um, change doesn't come from the top. Some, some politician telling you, okay, we're going to do this for you. You have to do it yourself. And what you guys did, you did it yourself. It's, it is so important what you did. Now, um, I, I wrote several books. All those books there, I wrote them at a Starbucks. Okay? I sat down. I, at my Starbucks, all my baristas knew me. We would go there and sit down. And I always loved what Starbucks promoted itself to be. And that is the reason why I did all my work. I bought my salads, my sandwiches, my, and did everything there because they were treating their people right. I bought, I, I paid overpriced coffee, <laughs> overpriced everything. Yeah. Because the, the goal was we give our, our, our workers a working wage. We give them college education. We do good health care. And then I started hearing after I, people would baristas would hear me speak like that and they'll take me aside and says things are not always the way they promote it to be. Right. And that's what they told me. And then I'm, I'm seeing one at a time. And when I saw the union movement in Buffalo and, in another, and I think they, they attempted it in some other places, I was like, it's about time. So when I tell you guys that you all are heroes and to keep up doing what you're doing, that is exactly what I mean. And, and I, I hope you have a support system. I don't know that meaning to, as you guys are leaders in this movement, I hope that you have a network that can financially sustain you as you're doing this. Do you? Well, well yeah. Well, and, and that's, what we're, that's exactly what we're working on right now. So there, um, Star, Starbucks Workers United does have a strike fund uh-huh. that they just got going for. So when a store goes on strike, it's a, I believe it's a million-dollar fund that they have, right. which, which is great because uh, um, the affiliate of Workers United is SEIU. So basically, what's, what's really cool is that um, basically... Uh, warehouse workers that that are SEIU members, uh, institutional laundry workers that are SEIU members, right. they they are supporting this million dollar fund. So it's literally rank and file workers right. that are saying, "Hey, let's support these Starbucks workers." That which is amazing. And then the other thing that we started for the fired workers is Workers United just launched. Uh, a fund through Act Blue, right? And so that that's going on. And actually, how do how can folks reach your Act Blue to make sure that uh, people listening to this yeah, podcast? And- yeah, actually, if if you if you go on if you go on if you go on Twitter, there's all kinds of things about Act Blue on there. So it's uh, at the, the no, I mean, but I, I know about Act Blue, but yeah. I mean, how to specifically target your fund? The fund for oh, the oh, Starbucks. So it's group. the Starbucks Solidarity Fund. The, okay. And it's yeah, it's the Starbucks uh, National Solidarity Fund mm-hmm. and it's sponsored by Act Blue. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I think it's important, Leila, because um you're uh, and, and please this this is a positive. 
you're young. And, and, and the reason I say that is it's because I am happy to see young people understand that uh, what some of us old farts went through with the union movements earlier uh, needs to be reinvigorated. In fact, it needs to be rebuilt because there's a time we were over 20, 30 percent unionization in this country. We're way down. We need right. every worker that's hourly to be unionized in this country. And it only happens when you have a start and watching you guys, watching you guys doing that. I think that is what we're that that is what we're all about. So give me some closing statements about what you want to see going forward, Leila. Well, I think the biggest thing is for workers to know their value mm -hmm. and to know that it doesn't matter if you work at McDonald's, if you're a janitor, if you're a doctor, everyone should be treated the same and everyone should be able to provide for their family and feel like they do have options and maybe they start at McDonald's, but maybe they want to grow. They want to go to school and they should be able to, let's just say you shouldn't be working 40 hours plus and still struggling to pay bills. And it's very hard for people who are trying to work, who don't have that support, but they also want to go to school. They also want to venture out and maybe they want to be a doctor. Maybe they want to be a psychiatrist and stuff like it's very hard to do that. And it's hard to see other, a lot of people don't understand that. It doesn't, not everyone's working at McDonald's because they say they're lazy. They say that, oh, they don't want an education. They don't have a choice. And it feels like when you're born, whatever class you're born in, you're stuck there. And I feel like the only way for us to actually get out of there for people who are born into poverty, poverty, but maybe want to be a doctor is actually to have a say in their workplace. Because living off $12 an hour with no benefits, barely, barely even getting health care, if you even get that, that's not enough. And workers will never be able to rise and be treated the way they should be if they don't start voicing their opinion and realizing that you could make a change. It's just about ending the war and you'll lose battles, you'll win battles. But at the end of the day, if you don't stop the war, if you don't stop the cycle, we're always going to be treated Layla, replaceable. That passion has to be transmitted to your entire generation and beyond because they are most of the people doing us harm right now economically and socially are making the bet that you are not going to perform and you have to prove them wrong. You guys exactly. are doing a good job of doing that right now. Thank Keep you. doing that. Give me a closer. Uh, definitely. So what, what we're really looking for is solidarity among all workers. So between, between our campaign and the Amazon campaign, Basically, this has sparked a huge movement. So now we've got Trader Joe's that, that has come on board. Uh, we've also got, in Arizona, the cannabis movement is starting yeah. to step up. So we're, we're calling out for workers. Just like you said, we're calling out for hourly workers. Now's the time. This is a golden opportunity to organize, for example, the entire food and beverage industry. It's time for the entire food and beverage industry to organize and come together because when we come together as workers, we have true worker power when we come together. So we're, we're looking to work with all workers. And, and one of the things that's happened is we have other workers that have been reaching out to us from other industries. So a lot of CEOs should be pretty scared right now because we outnumber 
the 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 higher ups in the executive offices the ones in the ivory towers there's only a few of them there's what millions of us right and and we can make this happen right now this is a golden moment bill and leila it's been my pleasure like you guys would not imagine to have both of you speak uh speak here at politics then right Thank you so, so much. much. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. You can listen and or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politics done right or on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willis, at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I. L-L-I-E-S. But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all central time. Please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds. Keep KPFT on your mind. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support. That is there to provide that nourishment that we need. KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Well, folks, that's it for today. You know how I'm going to end this baby. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. <laughs>